1: financially fit it's not too much different than the path to physical fitness get ready to get on the treadmill next
0: this is the Get Ready for the Future Show.
1: You ready? You ready to get uh,
0: on the treadmill? Uh,
1: no. Oh, okay. It was It was an analogy. I have one at my house, and it has dust on it. Yeah. So. Welcome in, everybody, to the Get Ready for the Future <laughs> Show? Three guys who will not be on the treadmill today. That was just an analogy. Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury, Tim Key, welcome aboard. As we talk about financial fitness and really the parallels between physical fitness and financial fitness, fitness. There are really some some good ones, I think. You know, I think about this year and new year, we're kind of still in the New Year resolutions phase, although we did a show on that a couple weeks ago. And by January 19th, that's called Quitter's Day. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. So we're just past that. Uh, maybe your New Year's resolution to get more physically fit failed. I'm working on that, uh, trying to lose a little bit of weight. I've got a new diet plan going. Uh, yeah. About, I'm trying to do uh, 2,000 calories a day Sunday through Thursday, and then give myself a break on Friday and Saturday. There's and no blow way I, it all up on the weekend, right? Well, I do have to be a little careful because you yeah. can gain it all back. I mean, I've heard your stories about eating a whole casserole recently. So <laughs> that, I, You do still have to be careful on Friday and Saturday. But I, I've got to have those cheats. I mean, you got to have those cheats. You can't do that non – or I can't do that nonstop – restrict my calories forever because i like food too much
2: hey look anytime i exercise you know somebody walks by and goes are you keeping fit or having one i I don't know which (laughs) and and so uh, you know it's that way sometimes with people and their money yeah uh you you can't really tell what it is that they're exactly trying to do because i think they they really kind of get you know a hot idea or something like that and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're you know down a
3: rabbit hole and and they are not getting the results that they're looking for Mm -hmm. Well, I think you see someone new come into the gym, and I started the process about six months ago, so I've been there a few times, but um, I still have a lot of work to do. But, you know, you see someone looking at some of those machines and trying to figure out how to work them, what they are, you know, how, how to get the most benefit out of them. A lot of it relates right back to our financial life, too, because there's so many different things that we can be working on. And, and different ways to do it so i have to call you out on this because the, it doesn't work if you just
1: look at those machines
2: <laughs> that's true yes i, I, I need that to take that out the next step, step. yes <laughs> you do need to take the
1: next step so. you need a coach <laughs> yep. and you need to not be fearful hey that's that's a couple of our things today all right so diving in what habits might be keeping you financially frumpy i love that term thanks to abby by the way abby shrewsbury yep. who provides our content that's a great term financially frumpy what What is it? Well, I think we'll start with one. It's the obvious. We're going to call it lifestyle inflation. We did a show last week on inflation, the real inflation. But where do you inflate your lifestyle? Well, that's a that that's said another way. That's keeping up with the Joneses, right? I mean, it is so hard. I, I get it. I fall into that trap, too. I can't tell you how many times that I have seen somebody who has a boat and I think maybe I want a boat. And then I have to think of it myself, I don't want a boat. <laughs> but, but I never even thought of getting a boat. But when I see somebody who has a boat, I want a boat. I mean, it's human nature, right? You're missing out. It's a fear of missing out, right? Yeah, then yeah. you say you may want to see do. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, and Tim's heard all I've these heard things. I've heard all these things.
3: But have I bought any of them? No, you and, haven't. Exactly. You haven't. That's <laughs> the trials and tribulations
2: yes. of sitting next to Scott on uh, in, in the office here. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and look, you're, it's just not you. You are actually influenced by advertising, by yep. social media. Uh, by your buddies and friends telling you how great their boat is or how great mm-hmm. their sea is or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of things working on you, but, but Scott, you're right. That lifestyle inflation, uh, you know, if, if you look around and you see, you know, look, I've had some good raises over the years, but I don't seem to be saving any money, then you probably have lifestyle inflation. You've gotten a bigger house. You've gotten a more expensive car. You've got, you know, whatever the case may be. You've got all of those things, but you're not really getting anywhere. You're not creating that margin in your life. You're not getting your savings and your investing portfolios where they need to be. Uh, a big problem is going to be lifestyle inflation. Now we all want to live a quality lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And nobody's saying that you ought to just you know live in a hovel and and eat rice and beans one day and beans and rice the next. I don't subscribe to that that theory, but there's got to be balance. And Tim, I think balance in lifestyle inflation is very critical. You've got to re- reward yourself without doubt, without
3: a doubt, you've got to do that. But you also have to have some discipline. Yeah, just like Scott said earlier about his diet, giving himself a break on Friday and Saturday. You have to reward yourself while you're going through a financial fitness plan. Because if you eat rice and beans every day, they're going to get old and you're going to give up and you're going to quit. But if you're able to reward yourself along the way, and I think what's happened with a lot of folks, with over 70% of people living paycheck to paycheck they make their expenses fit their income, and so anytime they get a raise, and you know they're able to maybe make another payment of a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars, get a nicer car, maybe move up in houses over over time, but they're really not making a lot of accomplishments along the way as far as maybe building up their four hundred one k or getting a savings plan in order. A lot of different things that you know you can focus on one thing at a time instead of trying to have a shotgun approach and trying trying to get all these other things accomplished together. Hey, look, if you're in debt... You're not going to have a, a real easy time getting out of debt if
2: you keep raising your expenses. Yeah. That's just the math of it. That's just the physics of it. You've mm-hmm. got to think about, you know, money can only be one place and working on one thing at a time. So clearly that's, that's an issue. But I think also there's another uh, factor here. And when you talk about, you know, uh, going to the gym and trying to get physically fit, my big problem is procrastination. I've got mm-hmm. that equipment in my house. I just enjoy sitting in front of the TV much more than I enjoy getting on the treadmill. Uh, And so procrastination is a big deal. Uh, You know, a lot of people just uh, inertia kicks in Mm. and and you don't do the things that you know you should do. And so hopefully this show is urging you to do some of those things that you need to do so
1: you can become financially fit as opposed to frumpy. Have you ever used one of these excuses when it comes to procrastination with your finances? I'll work on my finances when things calm down. You know, maybe there's a storm in your life. Maybe there's just a lot of expense in your life because of the season of life you're in. I'll start saving or investing when I make more money. Yeah, when's that going to happen? And I've got time. I'll get to it when I'm older. I think that's probably, and maybe not get to it, but you can really put a big bow around all three of those excuses, quite frankly. When you're in a season of life and retirement is so far off, if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, it is hard to connect to it, right? It's hard to connect to the need that you're going to have when you're still 20 or 30 years away from it. You're focused on the right now. You're focused on what has to be done right now. But you've got to avoid that lifestyle inflation because a lot of where that where you get into trouble with that, it's not about what is needed right now. It's what is wanted right now. And then you may realize you didn't even want it. So you've got to live within a budget. I think that helps, right? That will create some margin. Don't buy things on a whim. Don't put those vacations on a credit card because that creates debt and you're going to have to dig out of a hole. If you've done all of those things, Tim, it can be really easy to procrastinate because you're stuck. You don't see the way out.
3: Yeah, it's hard to see the way out sometimes. And if you have to go to a self-storage unit and, and move a lot of stuff into that, you've realized probably over time that you bought a lot of stuff you didn't need. Yeah. And it's easy to accumulate. It's easy to f- spend money. I mean, it's so easy to spend money. Yeah. And so and oftentimes, we have people come in here in their late 50s, early 60s. They're closing in on retirement. Now, they're not saying that they have a lot of time left, but most of them will tell us, I wish I would have met with you guys 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we could have started a lot earlier, and they might have been in a much better place.
2: And if you go through a compound interest calculation and you look at the difference in getting started investing – you know in your 20s as opposed to in your 40s it's phenomenal the difference that it makes in your outcome and and i think oftentimes people don't look ahead at the outcome they are looking in the right here and now and they think I need to do this with my money as opposed to save it. I need to do this with my money as opposed to invest it. Uh, And they come up with all the excuses of investing is risky. And I don't know if I want to get into that. And uh, what happens if I quit my job? Does my money follow me and all of that type of thing? All those things are procrastination issues. And you've got to try to avoid that.
1: The other thing that I mentioned there was risk. And that leads us into fear. Scott. Yeah, fear is a big one because that, you know, I think about Tim's analogy of going to the gym, right, and looking at the equipment and people. Looking around, and they have no idea how to get on that thing and get started. Right, the same is same is true for finances. Even if you are ready, uh, even if you've gotten beyond the lifestyle inflation, gotten beyond the procrastination stage, and you're ready to do something, my goodness, all you have to do is Google something about investing and you are in confusion land.
2: Oh, yeah. And think about, uh, if you, to continue with the gym analogy, think about the muscle-bound guy that's been there for, I don't know, years, lifting weights, and he's over there pumping up two or 300 pounds on the on the bench press. <laughs> right. And you're just standing there going, uh, yeah, I'm out. I, I don't need to do this. And so, you know, that, that is a form of fear because you're afraid of looking, you know, weak in front of, mm-hmm. you know, all those other people that have way more experience. But the comparison game is, is a problem one way or the other. And if you're not careful, you'll compare your way right into the poorhouse. And so you've got to clearly have a plan and understand executing that plan and getting started
3: is the first priority. There are so many different emotions that go along with fear. And I think most of those emotions get you stuck because it's just hard to move forward. It's hard to move any direction when you're fearful. But being able to get past that and get started I think there's so many good things you can look out for. And I think one of the big things um, that I do every month is complete a balance sheet. And a lot of people, it's just a, your assets and your liabilities next to each other to kind of show you where you are at any given time. And I think a lot of people are fearful to figure out and find out where exactly are they? They know they have some debt, but they don't necessarily know exactly how much. They know they've got some saved. But until you start really putting it into a balance sheet or just you know assets on the left, liabilities on the right, what you owe... Then being able to figure out where you are, then then you've got your first step. You know where you are, and you can
1: start making progress. All right, as we mentioned on today's show, four action steps to get and stay financially fit. So we're ready to dive into number one. And number one, you know, you think about how hard it is to get started exercising, whether it's in that gym uh, and staring at those machines and not really understanding. Uh, how they work, or which one's the one you need to to get the most results from? I think about running. I, I run a little bit, although I will admit I haven't been doing it as much as I should be lately. It's cold outside. You know, there's an, that, there's, my, an there's my excuse. Uh, yeah, I, I don't or start I, too early because I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do not like the treadmill, so I like to run outside, and I don't like to run in the cold. But anyway, I do like to I do like to run for for my fitness. And even today, even though I've been running now. You know, pretty consistently for about seven years. I think 2014 was, well, that's eight years now, right? Eight years. 2014 was when I started running. Even today, I run about three miles. I'm not a marathon runner. I don't want to run a half a marathon. I don't want to run a quarter. I want to run three miles. That's <laughs> what I want to run. And I want, and I want to be done even today when I start that first mile, guys, it's hard. Yeah, Many times it's very hard to get through that first mile. And once I get through the first mile, two and three are pretty easy. It's just amazing how hard it is to get started. This statement applies to money.
2: It applies to work. It applies to working out, fitness, thinking about it. sucks. (laughs) sucks. <laughs> yes. Doing it is actually fun. Yes, that's right. And, yes. and so you've got to think about, okay, how is it that I can can play whatever mind game that I need to play mm. to get me into it so that after I kind of cross that hurdle, that, that things will be good. And there is a point, I don't know what it is, if the endorphins kick in when you're exercising or whatever it is, but there is a spot where I, I hit that point of going, I can't do this anymore. And then I just push through and then all of a sudden I feel good and, and this is actually fun and I'm enjoying it. And I'm seeing, you know, the meter go up on the treadmill and all of that type of mm. thing. And, and it actually gets good to you. And so you've got to go through that bad time in, in looking at your finances. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's complex. Yes, you've got to learn some new stuff. Whatever the case may be. Yes, you've got to walk into a financial advisor's office and say, help me to get there. It's the same thing that you go through at at the gym. You know, Tim, you wouldn't still be looking at that equipment if you had a coach, right? That's right. He'd have you on there. He'd have you on there and and, know how to use it. And know how to use it and and be making progress. Mm -hmm. And once you start making that progress, Scott, I think that then you can focus on the good feeling and and that will push you through that that hard time, that first mile, if you
1: will. I've received a lot of sage advice in my lifetime, but thinking about it sucks is right up there. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's really True, you got to get on, get on the, get on and start doing, it and it's better. And then on the back end, the results you feel are fantastic. And when you see that progress in your financial plan, and you're hitting your financial goals, or at least tracking towards them, we're going to get into a little bit more about that in a moment. That can be uh, an encouragement and a motivator as well. And you think about time being a finite resource. If we're going to try to motivate you today to get started now, it's never better than now it's you're getting a i mean I've been thinking about this a lot you know you're your day you are a day older every day right you your your time is finite and if you are still young and you have the opportunity to start this this is the best time to get going because of what you said earlier, the power of compound interest the uh the repetition of getting money into a savings and investment vehicle you are in the driver's seat if you're younger but even if you're not, even if you're fifty years old right now listening or watching us and you haven't even started, it can still make a difference. It can. And you got to think about how you make all those things
2: work in your favor as opposed to working against you. And I think that's a, a real key.
1: So number two on our list, as we are talking today about four action steps to get and stay financially fit and the parallels that they have to physical fitness. Number two is don't skip any key targets. So what does that mean? Well, if you're really in an all-encompassing physical fitness plan, you're going to do you're going to work out different muscle groups, right? If you're going to lift, it's not going to be all upper body. You're going to have to have leg day. You're going to have to have arm day. You're going to have to work the core. You may have some uh, some aerobic activity, right? You got to do some cardio in there as well. It's got to be a complete complete plan for physical fitness, and it has to be a complete plan for financial fitness as well. You can't skip certain things. And I would even say when it comes to financial fitness, guys, there's really an order of things that we really need to start walking through.
2: Absolutely. Tim, I think the first thing that, that we've got to think about is how do we be sure that we're we're kind of bulletproof, if you will, for those short-term emergencies. And the only
3: thing that you can do there is to have plenty of savings. Yeah, you need to have a place to go that you can get some cash quickly if you have an emergency. And, and that doesn't you know, that's not the credit card i mean that's where a lot of people have turned over the years and they get themselves in trouble you really need to have a couple thousand dollars or five thousand dollars whatever makes you comfortable in a savings account that you can have access to within a you know 24 hours to be able to move that over to your checking account pay those bills and so forth so just making it a habit to put a little bit back it can be 25 dollars a pay period 50 dollars a pay period it you know time goes quickly and we you know Blink our eye and six months goes by. And so if you're doing something on a regular basis and having some good habits about saving, then you're gonna build that balance up to where you need it and have it available to you when you need it. Think about this, guys. How many get how many people have we come in here, have we had come into Gen Wealth
2: and, you know, they heard about some investment that they want to get into? And so you start beginning talking to them about it and talking about their financial situation. And they don't have squat, you know, they, they they don't have an emergency fund, they don't have any life insurance, they don't have any investments in pre-tax retirement accounts or anything of that nature. They just heard about this investment, and they think that investment is the thing that's going to carry them to financial security. It's not. It, there is a very set formula for this, and obviously savings is one of those things. But then having a, a very strong methodology for investing yeah. and not being led astray by, you know, what may be on T V or what your friend told you at the water cooler at work or whatever the case may be, you've got to have
1: that strong strategy for investing. Let's talk a little bit about um some targets on that emergency fund because we you know you talked about liking to see that meter go up. You know, you want to see how far you've run, how far you've walked, how your your progress it is kind of a, a, a moving target, I think, to some degree. I mean, I, I know that we've, we've definitely uh, talked and preached before about the three to six months of expenses uh, is a good target to have for an emergency fund. And that really relays back to if there is a job loss, uh, you would still be able to pay your expenses. But I think it's different, Tim. We've kind of evolved on this over the years, too. It's eventually when we talk to people about. An emergency fund and they want us to give them a number it really kind of is a two-way street right because eventually it's going to be a number they're comfortable with that makes them feel like they can handle just about anything that comes their way yeah we have people that come in here that have
3: way too much money in their savings exactly accounts and yeah hundred thousand or more and sometimes we say well what if we just pare that down to fifty thousand yeah. would that make you feel comfortable and some people can't sleep at night only having $50,000 in the savings account. It's, they need to work on that. They need to work on that. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, we do want to make sure that the three to six months and so, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars 30000 is normally going to be a, a good range for an emergency fund. But there are some people that they need to have more than that. They've been through something in the past that just it makes them uncomfortable if their balance gets any lower than that. So it is a two-way street. We're going to kind of throw out what's recommended, but, you know, we're not going to get someone into the out of their comfort zone, so yeah. to speak.
2: Yeah, clearly, and I think that that the other aspect of this, the the third thing that you want to look at in these steps that you've got to take take on and take care of is protection. You've got to think about what happens if something happens and you can't cover that financially out of your pocket. Yeah, you know, and the big issue we see people ignore all the time is life insurance. Where you have a couple who both are working, both bringing in income to the family, and you can just know by looking at their at their cash flow that if they lost one of those incomes at any particular point in time, it would be pretty devastating to the family. Uh, you would really have a problem if a if one of the breadwinners went down. But oftentimes people think they're bulletproof and they're not going to spend a, a very small amount of money relative to all their other income, relatively small amount of money on life insurance to protect the income that is coming into the family. That's number one. Number two, you often see people try to cut cost on on various property and casualty insurance and things of that nature, and then they have a claim and then they figure out that that wasn't really the best move Mm -hmm. to make that they were penny wise and pound foolish by doing that. The other thing I think about, and and this happens a lot of times with our ready to retire clients, Mm -hmm. they come in and they think about, we talk to them about long term care. And they go, "Ah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. Well, the statistics basically say that one out of two people, if you are 65 and healthy, one out of two people are going to have some type of long term care event. In their life, and it's expensive. And to insure against that really pays for that with discounted dollars. So you end up spending a lot less to take care of the long term care need. Because trust me, if you are in a long term care need, you're going to fund that one way or the other, but it may be out of the assets that you have saved all this time. And that could hurt either your spouse or the next generation.
3: Go ahead. Well, you mentioned, John, um, income or life insurance for two income um, families. Yes. But there's also lots of times when there's a stay at home mom or someone with young kids and there needs to be life insurance on that person. as Oh, well. yeah, absolutely. And So we don't want to skip them because, I mean, if the worker dies, yes, the income goes away and we need to replace it. But if someone is working and there's a stay at home mom or someone and unexpectedly she she passes or, or he passes if he's a stay at home dad, then we also need to have some money there to be able to take care of the kids and take care of the, the child care that's going to be needed and things like
1: that. It is certainly better to prepare for something that does not happen than it is to not prepare for something that happens. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to protection, whether it's your and your unique situation uh, depend, makes makes the determination on what type of protection you need, whether it's life insurance, or whether it's long-term care insurance. If you're walking into the ready-to-retire stage, maybe life insurance isn't it. We, we believe life insurance is sort of a, a time-framed uh, issue, that you're going to need it for a certain time. But at some point, if you've prepared for retirement, then you're going to be self-insured when you walk into retirement. But the other thing that can blow up the retirement plan, the income plan, is the long-term care. And I think that the protection, coupled with the investments, coupled with the emergency savings, are all the key targets that you can't skip on your way to financial fitness. So that's number two. We've got four action steps today to get and stay financially fit. We're up to number three. And number three is maintain a healthy lifestyle. Hitting your goals requires a measurement system, a tracking system. You've got to be able to stay on board. And to, to keep that discipline, you've got to be able to see how you're doing. And, and I think sometimes – we we see it all the time i mean if you can max out your 401k at work that's great you're you're headed to a great place but how do you know what it means, right? If unless you have a, a a plan in place that measures it and tracks your success along the way?
2: Scott, we had a client come in the other day and making good money. Husband makes good money. They were working on you know, saving and investing and all this type of thing. But they came in and said, "Hey, look, we don't know where we are. Mm-hmm. We don't have any idea where we are, and what we don't want to do is we don't want to arrive at retirement and go, oh, wow, we should have thought about this earlier. We should have done this. We don't have enough money to retire. Whatever the case may be, they were concerned about that. That is where you've got to really get to and say, okay, let me have some sort of barometer. And what that barometer is here is a financial plan that is put on paper on purpose to help you reach your goals. Tim, I can't think of any better tool that there might be than than actually sitting down with an advisor and crafting
3: that plan but most importantly updating that plan along the way absolutely i think there's a lot of people that we sit with that we start asking questions and it's like i've never thought about that Mm. and so we get the plan and we get it on on paper on purpose but then we know life's going to happen we know they may end up changing jobs getting a huge raise or they may lose their job for a while whatever it might be and we have to make some modifications to it but being able to have a starting point with a plan that's on purpose and and being able to sit down with them along the way as as life happens, whether whatever that might be, I think that's that's something that we can really add a lot of value to, and ask those questions that they've really never thought about, and get them thinking about what the future may look like and what they would like it to look like. Scott, I think that uh, one of the reasons
2: that people don't come in to do a financial plan is they don't really understand what it means to do a financial plan, and they they may think. That somehow we're going to control their money, and we're going to tell them what to spend and what not to spend, and they're not going to have any fun, and they're going to be really disciplined. And look, all work and no play is not going to get you anywhere. And that's not what is involved in a financial plan either. You are actually in control of that financial plan. You make the decisions. We don't. We just point you in the direction and tell you what it's going to take. This couple I was talking to, I said, look, we're just going to reverse engineer this and figure out what you're doing right now and where that's going to get you and see if that's off target or not. And then you can decide what you want to do from there. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes people have that fear of the unknown when it comes to this subject or idea of financial planning that really does keep them from really coming in and committing to a plan.
1: Think about it at the top of the show when I talked about I'm trying to lose a few pounds, right? Well, if I never weighed myself. You never know. I would never know if I'd lost anything. Think about that. And now, certainly my pants would probably fit a little bit better as I lost weight. I would know something good was happening. And if you're throwing money in your 401k and you look at that account balance, you know something good's happening. But how do you know what how that returns into income in retirement? You have to have a financial plan that is in place so that you know how much income you're going to want and need in retirement. And then you know based on the software that we use in our planning process, the asset level that is your target at retirement and how much money you need to save pre-retirement to get there based on some rate of return assumptions. So every time you come in and track it, your tracking system is, how are we doing? Where are we supposed to be? Where is our balance supposed to be when I'm 53 years old? Do I need to adjust? Do we need to adjust our investment strategy? Do we need to put more money back? All those things can be answered and help you track your progress towards financial fitness by getting a written financial plan on paper, on purpose. It can help you determine what progress you've made, and even celebrate the victories on the way toward your goals. All right, so we're up to our fourth and final action step today to get and stay financially fit. And it really comes right from number three then number four. It's a great transition, great segue. Work with a trusted coach. And that's what we like to think of ourselves as financial advisors here at Wealth as a coach coaching you to financial fitness much like a coach would help you get physically fit. A lot of people hire trainers because they know more, they've been there, they stay on top of it. That's the other thing too. They stay on top of what's happening and how things are changing and can give you the advice and motivate you towards your goals.
2: Hey, I I love the professional relationship I have with my physician. You know, he knows me, he knows my situation. Uh, I know him. I know that he's dedicated his life to studying medicine, and I understand you know, what he's done for other people and all of that type of thing. And I think that there has to be that level of trust that is built. And frankly, that's one of the reasons we do this broadcast on a, on a weekly basis. We want to be very transparent with people so they can feel comfortable coming in to see us. But Tim, I, I don't know that anybody really cast their lot of all of their money with somebody that
3: unless they go through that process of building trust Oh, trust is the main thing for all of us and we understand that i think we live in a diy you know do-it-yourself mentality most of the time your shows on that do-it-yourself type things i think we all know that if we would actually pay the money to have a um, a fitness coach um, someone that's going to teach us those machines at the gym and make sure that we're doing everything that we need to do, we're going to probably have a lot better progress. But I think there's a lot of folks that don't want to pay for a financial coach or don't want to pay for whatever coach it might be. And I think they don't realize and see the benefits that can come from that. And I think there's something here that shows that 22.6% uh, people that have financial coaches actually do better than the DIY investors. Yeah, I was going to ask if
2: uh, if we could maybe just think about a DIY story, uh, DIY story. I'll get it out in a minute. Uh, DIY story where
1: it's kind of gone bad for us. I've got. Yeah. I, I've got yeah. I, I don't have enough airtime for mine. Ooh, I don't even attempt it anymore. I, I know better. I yeah. know better because of those bad. Bad stories. Yeah. So I mean, you think about that. Getting a coach can really improve your outcome. And the outcome uh, is certainly what we're after here. You know, you think about it. In most people's minds, a financial advisor is just talking investments. And a lot of financial advisors, that is all they do. But at Wealth, we have a matrix of services that we can show people on all of the things that we do for people. And I, I think about one couple I've been working with here recently, I've been working with them for several years, and they're wanting to retire early. And their plan is to retire at his age, 55, and her age, 53. Now, now that's, a, that's a big hurdle, that right? That is a big hurdle. But they've saved a lot of money. They've done a great job. But the biggest issue for them is getting the 59 and a half, yeah. right? Because that's that's where a lot of their money is in qualified accounts, in their 401k, in their IRAs. And they will be penalized for withdrawing that money early before 59 and a half now he has a 457 because he has a job through the state that's going to help he'll be able to tap that uh when he leaves at 55 and not be penalized but knowing all of the intricacies and all the rules john that are current they're currently and will always be changing around retirement we've seen a huge number of changes just in the last couple of years. You need somebody to help you not make mistakes just as much as you need somebody to help you make the right investments. Let's nest up on that
2: mistake for just a second. Tim, would you uh, say that it's fairly common that we've seen situations where a decision that somebody makes or does not make could make a $100,000 difference in their retirement?
3: Yes, we've seen that.
2: Scott? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's my question to you. How many 100,000 dollar mistakes can you make in a lifetime and still end up financially independent at the at, at, at your retirement? Not very many, I can tell you, because time ticks on. And if you make a mistake and then make another mistake, now you've cost yourself 200,000 dollars or whatever the case may be. I'm kind of just making up some numbers here, but I think you get the point of what I'm saying. You cannot afford to make a lot of big mistakes money wise, because you don't have time to recover from those and get yourself to that spot that you need to in the time that you need to do it. That couple you were just talking about, you know, they've got a shorter time frame, So it's even more critical that they make the right moves now. So they arrive at, at 53, 54 years old, and they can they can retire like they want to. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important that you don't make those mistakes and a coach can help you do that.
1: Yeah, and things get certainly uh, much more difficult when you reach retirement. You know, you, you, we talk about the DIY mentality. I think a lot of that, too, is easy to adopt when the market is going in an upward direction, oh, straight yeah. <laughs> up, right? And it's been doing that for quite some time, more or less. I mean, certainly we've had some pullbacks. We had the COVID pullback, we had the uh, late, uh, I think it was 2018 pullback. We've had some pullbacks along the way, but for the last decade, this thing's been going straight up. Well, what's the next direction that it's likely going to go, right? You don't have to go very far back, John, to find a pretty, pretty bad time in the market. Yeah, clearly there are going to be hurdles
2: that you you have to go through, uh, but but you've got to be in tune with
1: what's going on, and I think a coach does that for you in a very big way. I hand it off to your right. Before the final bell, right. I, the bell. I, That's okay, I, I should be better than that as a host. You That's heard okay. the, you heard the bell there, the indicating that we are out of time. It is time for our final thoughts, and Tim will start with you. Well, I think just remembering some of those things and those habits that make us financially frumpy, mm-hmm.
3: um, the, the lifestyle inflation, just living really paycheck to paycheck, and you, and spending everything that you're making, and really procrastinating, and the fear of going somewhere different than maybe where you are today.
2: Guys, I think that if you use our analogy that we've been talking about, about going to the gym and getting financially, I'm sorry, physically fit and, and compare that to being financially fit, I think you've got to, to apply some of the same things that you would apply if you're trying to really kind of pump up your, your muscles. And, and number one is that you've got to get started now if you haven't already. And if you have gotten started, don't skip the key steps that we talked about earlier, investing, savings and protecting. And then thirdly, maintain a healthy financial lifestyle, a balanced lifestyle. Balance is the key to all of this. Balance is key to the ready to retire process. Balance is
1: key to your overall finances. And then finally, work with a trusted coach. I think of that first mile is the hardest, right? We talked about that when you're running, you've got to get started and then you have to be able to track it. You wouldn't go on a diet plan to lose 10 pounds and never weigh yourself. You have to have a tracking system as well. My final thought is, if you're ready to become more financially fit, it doesn't have to end at the end of this show, free courses, and resources are just a click away. All you have to go, all you have to do is go to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash academy to get started on those free courses and resources. Getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash academy. And that's all the time we have today on the Get Ready for the Future show. Hope we've given you a few action steps and motivated you to get more financially fit in this 2022 as it just gets started. We hope you will join us again next time for the Get Ready for the Future show.
0: Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866 653 7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.